I felt the word of the Lord was that tell my people that they must begin to frame themselves the way I frame the world. And that in my spirit, what I saw that was flashing before me is a message that I'm working on, a series of, of messages on the end times and what we are going to be going into. Now, it's nothing to be fearful of, but if you're fearful of what's going on in the world now, you are in for a real treat down the road because it's going to be a whole lot worse. But the Word of God says we are going from glory to glory. So turn to your neighbor and say, I'm going from glory to glory. Glory to glory. When the children of God left Egypt, they came out with the wealth of the world. And when we leave this world, we are not going out as paupers crying out, Oh, God, thank you for getting me out of here. We are going out in glory when that trumpet sounds. So it's nothing to be afraid of. But if you don't know what's about to happen, and if you haven't gotten framed in your mind what's going to happen, you will have a difficult time. And I can almost guarantee you that the pilot of that plane had been trained what happens if an engine goes out? They've been trained how to stabilize that plane once it starts to go because it became unbalanced. All of the things that are going on there aerodynamically, he probably had a moment's notice to get that plane right so he could come back and land and declare that emergency. He'd been through it before in his mind. It wasn't a first-time experience. And there are a lot of people, honey, that I believe, in, in my humble opinion, and I mean that, uh, they're not ready for what's about to happen. doesn't mean they can't get ready, but they're not ready. You know, I think that's true. And we, you know, we go about our daily living. You know, I fly uh, periodically, and I, I always pray before we take off, I plead the blood of Jesus from the top to the bottom, from the front to the back. I put my hand on the plane because that's what Jerry Seville said, take ownership of the plane when you get on. So I always take ownership over that plane as I go through that door. This particular flight, um, I smell gasoline, like a flight, you know, fuel. And when they started up the engines, we started taxiing. And I had this thought, fire, and I just said, I just bind fire from being able to take hold anywhere in this airplane in Jesus name. And then I just rested because I know that, that, you know, I've prayed and that's what I've always done. But how many of you know, you need to be prepared for when it doesn't go like what you thought it was going to go. And uh, you could hear people when that shaking was happening. And I thought, you know, what if you weren't ready to go to heaven? Number one, but what if you're not ready to take authority right then? Who's to say, I text my husband, he called the church, and the ladies in the office started praying. And who knows that all that prayer isn't what kept that plane in the air. Now, that pilot was prepared. They said, uh, some people were talking after we got off and the firemen were there and everything, that they every six months, every six months, get in a simulator and practice doing exactly what he had to do. But it isn't like... It was not like something started going funny. It was a big bang. You know, like when God created everything, and it, they call it the big bang or whatever, in the, the people who can't figure it out. But he didn't have a... <laughs> they just call it a big bang. Well, I know what a big bang sounds like. And if you're not awake right when the big bang happens, there's not time to say, oh, I wish I would have. I mean, it is immediate. 
and he didn't come right on and tell us, now don't worry, he was busy doing what he needed to do to get that thing straightened out, and he didn't care about who was in the back at that point. He was trying to get us all in safely. So he didn't talk to us. He didn't say anything, but I'm sure he was going through one, two, three, four, five, every step you're supposed to take in that situation, and he took care of it. I believe when we pray, whether we're praying the spirit, praying the natural, we have to frame our situation. There was a little girl beside me while the drag racing guy said, man, that was like when I hit the wall. I thought, well, your tires were on the ground, buddy. Hallelujah. But the girl next to him started to cry because she had a new baby, and she only nine-month-old baby. And I said, we will be all right. You know, I don't have God telling me, but I did hear this. They were all saved. They will all be saved. And Paul said that the Lord told him, everybody on the ship will be saved. And he didn't say to me, except the ship. And I thought, hey, we're in. <laughs> we're, we're all good, even the plane. But, you know, God has a way. And we begin to meditate that, speak that, declare that over that. Everybody say, be prepared. And that's what we do when we frame things. Well, I pray that none of you will ever be on a plane that's going down. But if you are, give a quick salvation message. Glory to God. <laughs> not an altar call. Just have them all pray very quickly. <laughs> no, it's not going to happen. But no. if you have your Bibles, turn to Hebrews chapter 11, uh, uh, verses 1 through 3, because... There, uh, there is coming some things on this earth that have been foretold by Jesus, foretold by the prophets, capsulated much of it in Matthew 24, 2 Timothy chapter 3. And we, th- this, is a, this is a situation and a period of time that will not be postponed. It will happen on God's time frame. It will happen exactly as God said. And some of the chapters that many of us have for years skipped over to get to the good stuff that we thought was good, folks, it's all good. So let's all say, it's all good. It's all good. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's all good. It's all good. And the, there is no fear factor in God. Perfect love casts out all fear. We do not have a spirit of fear. We have soundness of mind, and we're ready for what's about to happen. So what we frame with our mind is really important. And someone gave me uh, a dictionary uh, a couple of years ago, and I don't know who it was, but I really thank each and every one of you, or I mean, whoever gave it to me, uh, each and every one of you. That didn't make sense, did it? <laughs> I thank whoever gave it to me. What I was thinking of at the same time I was talking was the plane that Bill and I were on and several other guys. We took about 20-some guys to Washington for Jesus several years ago, and lightning struck the plane. I thought that was so cool. Every single one of us... <laughs> Every single one of us thought the plane hit over our window. And when we got off, it's like, it hit right over my window. Well, we had all sorts of different windows. But when that lightning, it was like a cannon. Honey, if you thought that was something, wait till lightning. No, I'm not wait. I'm not, in Jesus' name, no lightning is ever coming near my plane. Well, I tell you what, it is one powerful experience. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 through 3, is it? We fly separately. <laughs> He's praying for something, and I'm not. Well, I'm not praying for it, but if it's coming, I want to see it. Yeah, that's right. Okay, got it. It, it, How many of you are like that? I'm not praying for anything bad to happen, but if it's coming, I want to see it. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. He rides roller coasters, too. Oh, I love roller coasters. Oh, I love roller coasters. I've read a book. This is off the subject, (laughs) but it's kind of with the subject. I love to study the mind. I really do. 
And uh, I, I, I've been reading some books by this Dr. Daniel Ammon, who's uh, actually a graduate of Oral Roberts University. He's a world-renowned doctor and talks about the, the root of many things as it ties psychologically, because God made the mind, and then also how it ties in spiritually. And that fear is not a normal thing. Fear is a learned trait that comes in many people, and that one of the roots of fear, certainly is demonic, but is sudden noise, and that children become fearful through a sudden noise that comes at them, but that fear factor can be broken off of their lives, and that, <laughs> I know this is going to hit close to home with something I said, but if a sudden noise makes you jump or fearful, you may have a root that you need to root out. Does that make sense? In other words, anything in your life that causes fear is a root that you need to consult the Holy Spirit and get rid of it because that's what the devil will play with. And he knows where your weakness is in that area. It's like a, like a prize fighter. He's going to go for your weakness. The devil knows where you have a weakness if you have one. You don't have one spiritually with the power of the Holy Spirit, but fear cannot be a part of your vocabulary or a part of your response to anything. So just tell your neighbor, I fear nothing. Don't go looking for trouble. It'll find you. But, but don't you ever fear anything. And Hebrews chapter 11 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. For uh, by it the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were made of things which are invisible. So let's not say it. God framed the world. By his, words by his words and by his thoughts. By his thoughts. Now, what we need to understand is what does that mean to us today? And where I was going a moment ago with my Noah's 1828, no, not Noah, <laughs> <laughs> Noah Webster's 1828. I can do better, but, I, but Noah's 18, <laughs> Noah Webster's 1828 dictionary is yeah, what I'm talking about. I have that dictionary. Give me a hand. I got through it. <laughs> now, but what it is, is it tells the original meaning of words more like a concordance type uh, of, of uh, application of the word than words we use today. You know how words change meaning with culture. They shouldn't, but they change meaning with culture. Well, today, that word framed in, in my Bible right here, it has it, it's, uh, it's to arrange, to set in order, to equip, to adjust, to complete what is lacking, to make fully ready, to repair, and to prepare. So in other words, when God framed the world and put a frame around it, he was setting everything in order. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, we can set our world in order. And every day we are framing our world and framing our family and framing our future with the words that we speak, whether they line up with God or whether they're contrary to what God said. And that's why we have to know what the word says, because we want to frame our life with something that has power. You know, it says the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword, but it also has power when we speak it, it's alive. The Word of God is alive. It's a living thing. And so it produces after what it says. So if we're speaking the Word over our life, we're framing ourselves in the confines of the Word. Anywhere does it say God wants to make you sick? No. But it says God will give you 
health. It says that, in, I love Psalm 103 because he has benefits. Everybody say benefits. Yeah. Well, you frame your life with the benefits of the word of God. Uh, he will restore your youth. He will do all these things. You begin to frame your life with the word of God. And that builds a picture, not just that you're trying to do, but it also on the inside builds a picture. The word actually works and changes us from the inside out. And so we're framing ourselves, not just in what we can see outwardly, but what on the inside will eventually be seen outwardly, if that makes sense. And what you want to frame is something that is good. Have you ever seen something that you look at in anybody's house that they framed it and you wonder why they framed it? (laughs) In other words, that's a really ugly picture. (laughs) Nobody wants to frame an ugly picture. Uh, I I don't know about you, but but, uh, there are times in ministry since we've been here, we'll take pictures of things and and they'll run them by me or I'll look at them or I'll see them. And every once in a while, I'll see a picture of myself and I think, I really like that. I'm going to put that in a stack over here. Every once in a while, I'll see one. It's like, that is really a bad picture. That goes in the trash. Because who wants to frame something or who wants to keep something that really doesn't look like it should look? And the Word of God, when we frame it and we use it, it says, we walk, 2 Corinthians 5, 7, we walk by faith and not by sight. So we frame all the things that are important to us. There is, is a framing process that goes through in your mind. You know, we use the word frame in movies. We use the frame in pictures. We use the frame in motions that, that there are, uh, this is a freeze frame. This is a motion frame. This is a still frame, those things. The things that you frame and set in order in your life will stay with you. And your mouth that you speak it with will be the very thing that God can use and that will come to pass and that you will attract or that the devil will use in your life. And that's why it's so important that, and and I know it always sounds funny when I say this, but God speaks things that are not as if they were. Some people, and, and you, you know, you can look at your hands and we always laugh at it, but, but it, it, it is funny in a way, but then it's also very serious. How many people open their mouth and talk before they think? Uh, you know, three of you. <laughs> you know that most of us sometimes, when we're emotionally charged, do. That's the least time we should ever open our mouth and talk or really think. But when we should consult what God said, I, I believe there were probably people on that plane who opened their mouth and screamed or said things versus entering into praying in the Holy Spirit. Yeah, and they were still doing it after we landed. Yeah, yeah. And we got off. And yeah. then we had to go wait two hours. And they were all talking. And I just had to keep moving to get away. I, I had to stand by myself. I couldn't even sit down. Because the words that they were speaking were not good words, and we were going to get back on a plane and go again. And, you know, I was thinking when you gave me this message... You know, when somebody says, I was framed. Oh, yeah. Y- you heard that yeah. in, in the detective movies. You know, well, I was framed. What happened was they produced evidence to make that person look like, I mean, if it's true, look like something that they weren't. But they framed them. And when they did, it actually, a lot of times, made them guilty. And that's what the devil does. I felt like when you gave me, it, it, he frames us with all this evidence. And how many of you know the devil does know your weaknesses? And so he frames you with things in the natural that are true. But we don't live according to what we see. We live according to the word of God. Yeah. And just because we're not that yet, 
Well, we get the choice. We could either be framed by the devil, and he will frame us, and he will have accusations that do show what we do sometimes, or we could be framed by what God said when he created us from our mother's womb. And my Bible says he created us for good works. He created us for a purpose and a destiny. He said, I know the plans and purposes that I have for you. So the framing that's done, we get to have the opportunity to be part of it. I truly believe what other people say about us has no power. If we know Jesus and we know what God says and we speak that over ourselves, we have power over anything anybody else says about us. We cannot be framed because God's evidence is greater than the devil's. Amen. That's a good word. I heard this years, years and years ago. I don't know who said it, where it was. They may not, may not have had it originally too. But, but they use the acronym for fear that, that fear is false evidence appearing real. And that all fear is contrary to the word of God. I remember the time when our son Matt out in Tulsa, he, we, we found this great deal on a car. He just loved this little foreign import port, import car and i forget i'm trying to think of the name of it no that's anyway, a beer anyway Car Car he something got a, like that though he got it a sounded big, like a beer the name of it yeah he got a big gulp thing on the way to school in high school and at a, at a convenience store out there and and rear-ended a lady and he called me and he said i just rear-ended this lady and she's really upset with me and i said well, what's she doing so we well, got a car and she said some things to me and she was really hot with him well when i finally got on the scene it it, it didn't sound possible but he totaled the car car was yeah. totally total and when he got home that night he was still shaking and i said I, I i need you to run the grocery store and get some groceries and he said no no way he wasn't going to drive a car and say yep you're going to get behind a wheel and you're going to go around i had to command him to get in the car and go to the grocery store because he was starting to lock up with fear over what had happened there are people that were probably coming off that plane who say, I'm never going to fly again. Yeah, they were. Well, that's not a decision for you to make. That's a decision for the Holy Spirit to make. Yeah. Holy Spirit will show you. Now, you don't want to get foolish on this because remember the story of the two men from Victory Christian Center who were getting ready to get on a plane somewhere, and the one guy turned to the other guy and said, I, I, I'm not going. I'm not, I'm not supposed to be on this plane. He said, what do you mean? He said, I just feel like a check in my spirit. We're not supposed to be on this flight. And the other guy said, well, I'm going anyway. And he said, you do whatever you want. I'm not going. And he went over and he sat down. And the guy started to go down the runway, uh, the walkway. And then he turned around and came back. And he said, are you serious? He said, yeah. And he said, well, if you're not going, I'm not going. The plane crashed in the uh, Everglades in Florida. And the people, many people were killed. I think they've saved a few. I'm not really sure. Somebody would ask the question, well, why would he only tell the two of you? He probably was trying to warn everybody, but only two were listening. So you don't go on a plane because you just think, I want to go on a plane. You do what God tells you to do, and you're led by the Holy Spirit. If you're led by the Holy Spirit now in everything that yeah. you do, I guarantee you, you're going to be ready for the end times. Mm -hmm. But if you're not led by the Holy Spirit now and you're in charge, you're not ready for the end times. So turn to your neighbor and ask him, which one are you? Now, Matthew 4, 4 says this, that we should live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That comes from the written word, and that comes from you praying in the spirit and praying with your understanding and sitting before God and asking God to show you what to put in your journal so that you begin to frame the things that God showed you. I cannot tell you how many times what Laurel Hassett framed for me has encouraged me in my faith.
And that is what I felt the Lord had shown me about this church, about the building we're looking at. Oh, this is a good time to put our building up, if we got it ready. Uh, about our building that somebody else is currently occupying, and the city and the mayor was Worski going to help us to get into and get the rezoning. Yeah. And the, Yeah, give the Lord a hand. That's it. Talked to the owner just last week, and he was encouraging me in some areas and said, Bill, that building belongs to your church, and I just come into agreement. Now, for those of you that are fairly new to our church, that sign is not actually out there, okay? Uh, that, that is a little imposition, uh, imposition, impose that, we impose that. But anyway, what happens is we get to the point when the only thing that is important to us is the leading of the Holy Spirit. You're going to go out and buy a necktie. You're going to go out and buy a shirt. If you buy the wrong one, you probably aren't going to have a real strong attack from the devil. You get on a plane you shouldn't be on, or you get off a plane you should be on, you could have a serious problem. So it has to be fine-tuned that the frame in our mind is, I know what God said, and that settled the issue. Now, if you look in the book of Genesis, Genesis 1, 3, 6, 9, 11, 14, 20, 24, 26, and God said, and God said, and God said, and God said. He was framing everything that he wanted to come into existence. Now, Romans four seventeen that we spoke just a moment ago, God speaks things that are not as if they are. And we are supposed to be imitators of God as dear little children. So if God speaks things that are not as if they were, how should we speak? Turn to your neighbor, and this is not a bad confession. Just tell him, I should speak like God speaks. I should speak like God speaks. And so should you. If God's word says this, then that's what we speak, and that's what we frame. And you, you know where it is. It's sitting right there on my desk at home. I look, I look at that every single day. My hand is going to move on your behalf. Your congregation will know it. The entire community will know it. And that the hand of God is going to move. And we're going to occupy not that frame of Iru, but the building that was up there just a moment ago. Yeah. You know, I think that uh, we don't really have a revelation of how powerful the Word of God is. Uh, we look at Genesis and we see God said, let there be light, and there was light. But just before that, it says, and the Holy Spirit hovered over the earth, was hovering over the earth, and God said. Well, you know, the Holy Spirit is hovering. The Holy Spirit is actually the, the part of the Trinity that lives in us. So it's not just hovering, He's part of us. And so if we're really... If we really believe that we're God's children, we really believe that he's given us all those promises that he said in the word of God, if we could actually see our words and what they do, wouldn't that be nice? I mean, if you could actually see in the spirit everything that you've said today and what that's made in the spirit realm, what that's created in the spirit realm, uh, I think we'd all be amazed and we would begin to think more about what we speak and how we frame even our situation, our house, our, uh, you know, our cars, uh, the things that, that belong to us, that God has given us, our families, our children, you know, sometimes, uh, we, we want to speak what we see our children doing. And the Bible's very clear that, you know, they, they're God's children. We've been given stewardship. Everybody say stewardship. So what comes out our mouth has to be a stewardship of what God would be saying over those children, over mates and all those situations. I think that, um, you know, it's, it's a good time to be really aware of, of what God is saying for us to say, because I do think it's going to make a, a difference 
in what we face. And I can tell you this, the, the, the spirit of fear that can get on you when you've experienced something, when you've actually sat in it. How many of you know your emotions and everything? They're affected by that. And every, every night when I would go to bed and every morning when I would wake up, those days I was in Tulsa, I would think about that boom and that airplane doing that. And I, it would almost like go by me again. And, and so when I got on the plane to come home, I did have to get on the identical plane, sit in the identical seat and go back up to Tulsa in the wind, bouncing all over. They said it was going to be bouncy and it was, but, but it didn't bother me so much then at all. But when I was going to waking up that morning, knew I was coming back and I had to get on that same kind of plane, very large plane that they don't normally fly just that short trip, but there's so many people traveling between Tulsa and, and Dallas. And so uh, I got on the plane, and I heard this, Well, because I thought, well, when I get on my real plane, <laughs> the one I go home on from Dallas, it won't, you know, I won't have to fight this. And the Lord spoke to me. He said, do you think it's the plane that saves you, or is it me? Is it the kind of plane you're going to ride on, or is it me? Do you know it took all that stuff and went away immediately because I thought, well, I'm not saved because of the plane I ride on. I'm saved because of the grace of God and what he's ordained for my life. And so, you know, when we really go back to framing ourselves in who God says we are, there is the ability to drive fear out. You know, fear is not in God's picture for you. It isn't. Only what the good things that God sees are in that picture that God frames. And so I believe we have power through the spoken word, through the revelation of the Holy Spirit, just like that word that was spoken to me. It isn't in the Bible. You know, I couldn't get my Bible app to work with airplane mode. So forget that if you plan on it. You know, it's just you can play solitaire or one of those games. But when I really needed the word of God, I had this with me. So I dug that out and started over again. But, you know, God wants us to know that there are going to be those kind of situations. And they happen just like that. And then the torment after that, because you've lived it, you know what it is. You know what that feeling was. But then why did I survive that or will I survive anything in my life? Because of the grace of God. Not because of a car, not because of an airplane, not because of any of those things. Not because of people, because of Jesus. That's right. That's a good word. You know, it's kind of like a tube of toothpaste. If you squeeze a tube of toothpaste and the pressure comes on, what's inside is coming out. And what is inside you is coming out right now as we speak when you're in a pressure-packed situation. And that some of us are amazed at the power of God that is in us and that it comes out in a moment's notice in a situation like that. And I think some of us would be surprised if we could hear our response during some of those moments is like, wow, I have not arrived yet. I've got a few opportunities. I believe uh, I believe on Sunday I'm going to share. My husband was going to go to Florida. He's not going early. So we're flying both of us on Sunday. So but he had asked me to preach. So I think I am. And I have this word, taught but not caught. Taught but not caught. You need to hear it. You, you, the, the, how long you've been saved, how much you know. You can be taught, but you've got to be caught. And when you're caught, instantly what comes up is what you've been taught. But if you haven't been caught, everything that you've been taught, you can't even think what it is. There's a difference. And God spoke that to me about a situation, about a person. He said, he's been taught, but he hasn't been caught. 
So continue to pray that I will catch him. How many of you know what it's like to be caught by God? Yeah. I mean, once he catches you and he becomes the love of your life, he becomes everything. Then what, what you're taught, you need that. But once you're caught, it's just there. Does that make sense? And uh, so that's kind of the essence of it. But you, you need to hear this because I believe God gave it to me. And, and I want to be sure I'm caught. <laughs> uh, he's got me caught. Good. That'd be a good word. I'll be here. Mm-hmm. Hey, we we spend, used to spend a lot of time with the grandkids, although a lot of them are getting older now. But now it seems like we have Molly around and Jack yeah. more than anybody. Molly was over the other day. And, and I want Molly to, to understand what it's like to have divine order in the home. So, uh, so <laughs> Pam, I told Pam something. Pam said, that's just not the way it is. And I turned to Molly and I said, you tell her whatever Pop said. That is the way it is. So she goes right back there, the little five-year-old. She says, Whatever Pop says is the way it is. <laughs> but then two minutes later, you say, Pop, who's in charge over here? And she'll say, me, Ma. <laughs> Mark eleven twenty two through 24. If you ever really study this, you've heard it for years. <clears throat> but have faith in God. Speak to the mountains that be moved. And that whatever you say when you pray, believe that you have it. When you say it, you are birthing it into this earth. Now, I do not understand how this works. So turn to your neighbor and just tell them the pastor has not arrived. <laughs> I do not understand how God could possibly need our permission to do anything on this earth that he wants to do. However, it does appear that if believers will not believe and plant seeds of God's will, it doesn't happen. I'm not saying God can do whatever he wants because he can. But it appears that if we aren't planting what he wants us to plant and bringing him onto the scene, it isn't getting done the way he wants it to get done. Does that make sense to all of you? I don't ever want to say God can do whatever he wants. God could have taken care of the garden Eden a moment's notice. Yeah, However, it wasn't taken care of the way he wanted it to be. He didn't want Adam to allow the devil into the garden, but he did. He didn't want Adam to listen to Eve. He really, I believe, wanted Adam to say, thanks, Eve, but I'm not going to eat that fruit because I have framed the Word of God, and God said, don't do it. Now, you've already eaten the fruit, so I'm going to intercede for you, but I'm not eating that stuff because it's going to destroy all of mankind. But he did not have the Word of God framed the way he should and a great example of this, honey, I have preached on this ever since I first heard it. I love this story because I love Joshua. Joshua is one of my favorite heroes in the entire Bible next to Jesus. He's just a mighty man of God. And anybody that you really are drawn to and study, it doesn't matter who it is, all of the people in, in, in the Word of God, they're mighty men of God. But Joshua was an understudy. He was a man of God. He loved God. He was called of God. And in Numbers chapter 30 and 31, which is where we're going to go, it, it really is a story of two opinions. One opinion framed by the Word of God and one opinion that was really framed by the devil himself. And God said, I'm giving you the promised land. All of, This Bible is full of promises. I heard somebody say, and there's a song that we used to sing out in Tulsa, 30,000 promises, 30,000 strong. I love that song. Well, Apparently, there are 30,000 promises in there. I don't know how many of there are. There are. I've never counted them, but I know this. This Bible is full of promise. So the more word and spirit we have in us, 
the more we birth the promise and we frame the promise regardless of what we see. And uh, in, in Numbers chapter 30 and 31, you know the scripture where we're going about how they responded 12 leaders. These were not people off the streets. These were people who had, had observed Moses, observed his leadership, observed Joshua and all of the other leaders. They were handpicked as leaders, and yet they came back and they had division. Two different reports. How many of you can be with someone and they see one thing and you see something else? And, and that's exactly two of them saw what God saw. Ten of them saw what was in the natural and the truth. Everybody say the truth. See, the natural truth is real. It's not like it's not real and it's, it isn't really true in the natural. But we don't live by the natural. We live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And so that's what they spoke. We are able. The other 10 said, we are not able. And everybody got what they said. The, the 10 died in the wilderness. And the two that said, we're able started over at 80. Because that's how long they had to wait for other people's mistakes to get them to a place where they could really do what God called them to do. Age doesn't matter to God. He's, his will never changes. His will did not change. For, for Caleb and Joshua, their words framed who they were. They were people who believed what God said and not what they saw. And because of that, I believe that's why they inherited the promise, because they believed what God saw and not what people saw. And uh, today there's a lot of people, especially younger people, that um, <clears throat> have made choices and decisions, and they get to be about 25 or 28 and I've had him say this to be, me before through the years. Well, I'm too old now to go back and fix this. You're never too old to do the will of God. Because if you do the will of God, he'll help you. And it's not going to be you. It's going to be him if you just step into it. And, and you begin to frame yourself with that truth. You know, get a picture of who that was that you saw yourself before you made all those choices, you know, that maybe took you off path. And get back on that path. And once you get, once you get there, God will help you accomplish it. He did that in my life. I believe it 100%. I made choices that I didn't need to make. But God resurrected everything that was dead, made it alive. And, and he created in me the very thing he called me to be by his grace somehow through the word. Everybody say through the word. He began to change my perspective of myself. And so, you know, we're never too old. We're never too old to be who God called us to be. We just have to be able to say what he says and not what we see. Yeah, that's good, honey. In, in, in Numbers chapter 13, 30, and 31, it's the recap that we just shared with you. God had given all of the instructions as to how he wanted them to take the promised land. They all heard the same thing. They all had the same starting point and the same reference point. But I believe, and it doesn't say this in Numbers chapter 13, but I believe this with all my heart. I believe what happened was this. Those ten spies that went in had a root of fear. They were doing things by the arm of the flesh. But two of them, Joshua and Caleb, were not. They were taking God at his word. Everybody say, that's a good idea. That's a good idea. They were taking him at his word. If God said it, he'll do it. Abraham said in Romans 4, 22, God, he was fully convinced that whatever God said, 
he was well able to do. How many of you are fully convinced that whatever God says, he is well able to do? And then the rubber meets the road, and we're faced with a decision. And these 12 spies, all hearing the same thing, and all reiterated what they saw in four words. Two of the spies said, we are well able. Ten of the spies said, we are not able. Same thing. Well, we look at the story and say, how could they have done that? We can say, I am healed. Or I am sick. I will make it. I will never make it. We have the ability to birth the will of God or our own will. God gave us a free will. Maybe when we get there, we'll say, why did you do that? <laughs> because when you look, when, when you go into Genesis, I was in there this morning, and I, I wrote, what did I write? And I said, I can't share that with the people. Is it about you or me? Well, it would. But, but here, in, in, in Genesis chapter 1, <laughs> 1 verse 3, he crea- uh, God said and there was light. God said there was land. God said there was firmament. God, God said there was grass. God says day, day and night and seasons. God said uh, he's going to develop creatures. God said there would be beasts and cattle and all of it came to place. And then God made man. And what I thought was, <laughs> pushed his luck. <laughs> <laughs> Should have stopped with the cattle and the beasts because everything was going great till he made man. And then I repented. I actually sat there and said, God, I'm so sorry. I don't, I really don't mean that. But the problem God had once he had, God doesn't have a problem. But once he created man and it's like, whoa, I made this so simple for them. I believe there are conversations take place between Jesus and God. And I believe Jesus turns over and God says, how could they have messed that up so badly? It was so simple. And Jesus says, well, Dad, I've been there. I understand the pressure they're under because he's interceding for us. He's been there, and I believe that God can shake his head and say, how can they get it so messed up? If you're concerned about your kids, look at God's first two. Yeah. Yeah. They gave away the entire thing. Yeah. But do you know what? He never stopped believing to get it back. And he was willing to pay the price. Yeah. He was. It's a good lesson in parenting because uh, I don't know about you, but, you know, you never stop being a parent no matter how old you are. My dad's 93, and he's still trying to boss me (laughs) from the assisted living, bless his heart, with his eyes shut. (laughs) Bless his heart. Let's all stand. I'll stop by, especially while she's going, I'll stop by to see him, and he'll say, how's Pam doing? (laughs) That's his firstborn child. Yeah. I'll let you finish in prayer, but I want to share this with you. I believe that one of the most important things you can determine is that God has put you in charge to birth his will through you. And the same power and authority and dominion that Jesus Christ walked in is what we have been given. Situations and circumstances will change. I was just praying the other day about some situations there are a lot of things I don't understand I know it's God's will to heal and I know people that don't get healed I know it's God's will that we all have financial blessings I know people that have done what they thought they should do and have gone through bankruptcy so you can look at all the things that didn't work or you can look at all the things that you know God wanted to work God wanted the Garden of Eden to work right God wants everybody healed 
God wants us to have divine health. God wants you to have abundance. God wants you to go from glory to glory. So what we do is we take that and we frame it. And I have some things at home that I have framed. They're all motivational, inspiring. They, they encourage me. I had somebody give me something one day that's behind a door in my room because it's not like that. It's more of a modern uh, age, new age. It's kind of a new agey thing. It just feels funny to me. It's like, I don't even know why I have it behind a door. I want to yeah, throw it. amen. Pardon? <laughs> why is it behind the door? Are we still recording? No, because your sister gave it to me. Oh, <laughs> not, not Pastor Chris, not Pastor no, Chris. No, 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 not Pastor Chris, not Pastor Chris. And I thought, well, I didn't want to call any division of the family. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> but let's all say it. I can live this message. I can frame whatever I want. I can frame whatever I want. God left me in charge. <laughs> That's good news. That's good news. Sometimes that's bad news. Sometimes that's bad. But I am in charge. But I am in charge. And if I yield to him. If I yield to him. I will be blessed. I will be blessed. And if I don't. If I don't. I'm going to have consequences. I'm going to have consequences. I'll leave it all with you, sweetheart. <laughs> you know, uh, several years ago, I was in a meeting in Mexico. Some of you heard this, and I'll just be real brief. But, you know, when God gets ready to, to, to call you into things, he'll frame you if you'll let him. And uh, a lady gave me a picture, and, uh, and she, it was a picture of a, a woman, and she's really strong. She's standing up. She has a big sword. There's a big lion behind her, beside her, and there's thunder and lightning going in the background. And, and she gave it to me, and underneath it, it says, Arise, shine, for the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. And she gave every speaker one, but she chose that one for me. And God had given me this word to speak over myself, to frame myself. You know, that I, that I was a mighty woman of God pulling down strongholds, gave me all these words to say over my house, myself. That I didn't feel like that at all. But I said it just like God told me just years before that to speak, that there's a miracle in your mouth to speak those things and frame myself with the word of God. And then he said to me, frame that picture and hang it in your office and look at it and remember who I've called you to be because that's who you are. And I look at that picture some days. And I'm thinking, I don't feel like that picture, not at all today. But, you know, it's not about how I feel. That's a picture God developed for me, and he put it there before me. And he had somebody give it to me on purpose. And, and I, I want to pray for all of you tonight that you'll see the picture that God sees about yourself. And I especially want to pray for those of you that are here tonight that saw a picture but let go of it due to circumstances and situations. And, and I want you to give God permission tonight to restore that picture. Because there is no better picture than the one God has. We hope you've been encouraged, strengthened, and challenged in your walk with Jesus. If you need prayer for situations in your life, we encourage you to email us at prayer at victorylafayette.org or call our offices at 765-447-7777. If you desire to make Jesus the Lord of your life, or if you've drifted away from the relationship you once had, I encourage you to pray this prayer with me today. Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. I believe Jesus died for me and rose from the dead. Today, I confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I receive the forgiveness for all my sins. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you come into my life and empower me to live a victorious life. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen.